Welcome to Inside Economics. I'm Mark Sandy, the chief economist of Moody's Analytics, and I am joined by a bevy of my colleagues uh, today. Uh, we've got Ryan Sweet. Ryan is the director of real-time economics. Uh, you, know, you know what bevy means, right, Ryan? You, no, I have no idea. I, I'm going to have to Google that. <laughs> right. Is that like a flock of birds? It's like a flock of birds or something? A flock of birds, right. I don't know if, if I'm using the word correctly. Uh, well, we got Chris, Chris Dorides, who's the deputy chief economist. He, he definitely knows. He's got to know. Chris, yeah. do you know? Is Bevy the right word? The Bevy? I think so. It's a group, right? A large it's a group. number. It's a, group. Huh. a big, a reasonably good-sized number. And, yeah. of course, uh, rounding out uh, the group, uh, is Dante D'Antonio. Dante is a is a regular here on Jobs Friday. And of course, today is the day that the December employment data got released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So welcome, Dante. Thanks, Mark. Now, Dante, did you know the, what, what Bevy meant? Is that like yeah. in your uh, lexicon? That's in my repertoire, yeah, Bevy. That's in sense. your repertoire. Okay. I think lexicon is, is the more appropriate word, don't you probably. think? Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. Well, it's good, good to talk... We're going to talk vocabulary instead of the. Let's uh, <laughs> forget about employment. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. ADP. I am. Let's go SAT words. Yeah, we should point that out. You know, Dante joins us when he's wrong. You know, yeah. Just, mm -hmm. yeah. not just wrong, just very wrong. wrong. Like really wrong. You can wrong. just move on yeah. from that discussion entirely. Something else we want to talk about now? You want to? We'll, we'll come back and explain that. Uh, but you know, Dante, well, since we're on SAT words, my favorite right. SAT word, which describes how I feel right now, is apoplectic. Apoplectic, that in my thinking means, uh, like a, a chaotic confusion, uh, you know, upset, mad, bad, mad. yeah, okay, yeah. those are all good words, angry, yeah. angry. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Because because you're you were wrong too. We were all wrong. I was. We were wrong, all wrong. The most wrong. Yeah. I was probably the most wrong. And of course, we're talking about the December job number, which is it came in one hundred ninety nine thousand jobs create. Couldn't they have just made it an, an even two hundred k? You know why why one ninety nine? <laughs> well, why? Please. I mean, they're wrong. So it's wrong. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's, it's it's wrong the number's anyway. wrong. It's wrong anyway. But you know, it came in at at one ninety nine. Okay. So let's do this. I'm going to turn to Ryan, have him summarize the report, and then, you know, ask for uh, commentary on that. Then we'll do the game, our game, you know, the statistics game, and I'll explain what that is for folks who don't know. Uh, although, I believe this is our 39th podcast, guys. Uh, you know, wow. so if you, if you don't know what the game is, then, you know, yeah, you've been asleep. You, don't, you, haven't, you haven't been following. And then... We'll talk about some labor market issues uh, because obviously mm -hmm. it's Jobs Friday and there's a lot to talk about there on the jobs front. They're always on the labor market front. There always is. Okay, does that sound like a good roadmap uh, for the conversation? Mm -hmm. All yep. right. Okay, so uh, Ryan, uh, just give us give us the numbers, give us a sense of things. You know, how would you explain this report to folks? But I don't want to give too many numbers because I don't want to take somebody's number for the game. But uh, the key numbers are I, again. I think. The way to describe this employment report is a tale of two surveys, just like last month. Household survey, much stronger than the establishment survey. So that 199,000 uh, number that you threw out there, that's the net increase in employment. That comes from the establishment survey. Uh, job growth was pretty disappointing. The consensus was for over 400,000. Uh, Dante's number was north of 800. So, And explain that. What do you, when you say that, what do you mean? His number? Eight. Oh, I was going to... 
I was going to give him a yeah, break. Are you going to rub it in some, at some other point? Yeah, later, okay. yeah. All right, so, later, we'll rub it in. Thank you. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but if you look at the household survey, which, again, roughly 60,000 households are surveyed about employment, the unemployment rate came down from 4.2% to 3.9%. Uh, prime age employment to population ratio ticked up from 78.8% to 79%. So we're getting closer and closer to that 80% threshold that's consistent with uh, an economy at full employment. Mm. So again, wage growth picked up, labor supply issues are binding. Uh, all in all, I think you know it was a strong report. Um, you know, Even that 199,000, it's very, very misleading. If you look at non-seasonally adjusted employment, which you know uh, mm-hmm. removes any seasonal adjustment factor, it actually increased in December, which is very, very rare. Mm. So I don't know what the BLS is doing with their seasonal adjustment factors, yeah. but it's all very, very quirky. Oh, that's interesting. So what you're saying is uh, the the data, the 199 is based on seasonally adjusted data. Obviously, mm-hmm. you got to account for normal seasonal patterns, holidays, and so forth Correct. and so on. And typically, you see a decline in December mm-hmm. employment, non-seasonally adjusted. And it this increased month, this we December. We actually saw an increase. Mm-hmm. Despite so, that, the seasonally adjusted number was small. Increase was small, 199. Yep. So they doubled down on the seasonal adjustment factor. So if they used a normal seasonal adjustment factor, which was typical pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. the increase in employment would have been closer to 500,000. Oh, seasonally adjusted. So what was expected and close. Yeah, to I don't know. Maybe Dante can explain what they're doing, but I have no idea what's going on with this process. Uh, okay, so 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 you said two th- two things. One, bottom line, don't pay attention to the one ninety nine thousand no. job gain that belies the strength of the labor market. Everything else says strong job market. Second thing you said mm-hmm. is uh, the one uh, uh, one way of, th- of seeing that is. Look at the employment gain that is from the household survey. The the one ninety nine is from a survey of businesses establishments. Mm-hmm. That's what we typically look at. But you also have the household survey, which is the basis for the unemployment rate. That increased, I think, six hundred and fifty k, didn't it, or something Correct. like that? Mm-hmm. You know, something which would, again feels more like reality than the one ninety nine k. Right. Okay. Uh, the the one thing you didn't mention, which I thought you were going to mention, is revisions to previous months. Did you want to talk about that at all? Or, or maybe I should let Dante fill in the blanks there. Yeah, let Dante go. Okay. All right, Dante. Yeah, I mean, I was actually surprised that the revision to November wasn't bigger. You know, it, it was a positive revision, but it was pretty small. Yeah, we got a, a decent-sized revision in October or something around 100,000. But the revision to November, uh, the response rate was historically low last month mm-hmm. for the first print. So I was expecting a bigger boost given how low the number was and how big the difference mm-hmm. was between the two surveys last month. And, you know, we didn't see it yet. It doesn't mean that... We couldn't still get a big revision next month for November. You know, obviously we got a big one for the two months ago estimate now for October. Um, so it could still get revised higher, but I was surprised that that didn't move further this month. Yeah. yeah I, the, I, oh, go ahead, Ryan. On the revision front, if you look mm-hmm. at the QCEW data, so that's the quarterly census employment and wages. That's right, Dante, right? Did I get that right? Yep. yep. Uh, so we have that through mid-year. Uh, this is like a complete count. This is you know what's going to get benchmarked. Uh, we're going to get big upper revisions to employment. Right. So, so, so just just to make that more concrete, the establishment survey is a, a survey of a lot of establishments, but not the universe of businesses out there. Mm-hmm. Once a year, the Bureau of Labor Statistics says, hey, let's go and, and uh, 
of what they say called benchmark, the survey-based estimates, like the one we got today, the 199, to actual uh, uh, employment counts, full employment counts based on the QCEW. That's the unemployment insurance record. So every company, mm-hmm. no matter how big you are, you you know you have to report to unemployment insurance. You know how many employees you have. You know for obvious reasons, and so you have a complete count. But they don't use that every month because it's just too many data points they can't process it. So they do this survey, but once a year they come back and benchmark, and that data comes out. That benchmark data comes out next month, right? Uh, and you're saying that that's going to show a big upward, even a further upward revision in the data. Mm-hmm. And how do you know yep. that, Ryan? Because you're looking at the QCEW quarterly data that's coming out. Yeah, we bank it. So you can look we at it. And, it. Yeah. Yep. So we can look at it. I can send you the chart afterwards. But through mid-year, we're going to get a big upper revision. I think one thing to remember, though, is the, the benchmark that comes out next month is only actually through the first quarter of last year. So yeah, you correct. That there wasn't much of a change through the first quarter. I think it, it's really going to take another year until you're going to see that big upper revision shows up. in yeah. mid-2021. Well, this just goes to highlight that, you know, the the difficulty of uh, of obs- coming to some assessment of reality, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it's going to be two years before we get all the data in for what happened in this period. But it feels like all the data, everything's getting revised up, right? Every month we're seeing these huge upward revisions in the data, mm-hmm. and everything suggests that we created a boatload of jobs. Right? Said that again, boatload of jobs, but boatload of jobs. This is Andyism. A boatload of jobs uh, in. Uh, 2021, but but it's even more than that. It's going to be even more than that when all the data are in. Yeah. Yeah, that's why Chris and I emphasize looking at the non-seasonally adjusted data because the seasonal factors, just because of the pandemic, have been really thrown off. So looking at it you know, a little bit differently is more important. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, Dante, you heard uh, Ryan's kind of uh, summary of the report. Any And you, you kind of filled in a couple of the blanks. Any other blanks you want to fill in? Any other things you observed in the report that you think are important? No, I think at a high level, the story is largely the same as last month, like Ryan pointed out. It's you know, seasonal adjustment and it's the difference between the two surveys that you know, sort of remains to be the, the big thing to try to figure out. Yeah, okay. I mean, all the other stuff w- was pretty solid. I, I think I saw a- average weekly hours uh, was up. I think mm-hmm. it ticked higher. Uh, and I think that's a you know obviously a positive sign. You know, businesses can hire more people or they can increase the hours worked of, of people. Um, what else? You know, we mentioned the unemployment rate falling below 4%, 3.9%. And that happened despite, I think, stable labor force participation. Isn't that right? I think participation health study. Ignore that number. What's that? I, just, I was just saying ignore labor force participation. <laughs> no, I know. But, I know you like to look at it. No, but just but the unemployment rate didn't fall because labor force contracted or was right. No, the labor force rose. Yep. Yeah, the labor force yep. uh, increased typically, so it wasn't you know that wasn't the reason why we saw unemployment decline. Um, uh, what else? Any any other? Yeah, you know there are some signs of weakness in the report. You know, you know, abstracting from the technical measurement issues like seasonal adjustment, but. I mean, retail is soft, but that there's got to be some fundamental reasons for soft retailing employment, right? I mean, you know, there's some, uh, the, the, I mean, retail was, was weak before the pandemic because of increased online use. So, you know, that, that's a continued downward weight and, you know, places like motor vehicle, I think we saw some job losses at motor vehicle dealerships, didn't we? And I, that obviously is because I, they can't sell cars because mm-hmm. they can't produce them. Uh, healthcare was weak. 
uh, nursing homes, that's been perennial, perennially weak, I think, for lots of reasons. Um, and that may also be burnout by healthcare workers. You know, they're mm-hmm. just, you know, for, you know, clearly struggling with the pandemic, a uh, very, very difficult time. Um, Chris, okay. did you look at daycares? I was down. No, I didn't, uh, I didn't check it out. It was down. It was yeah. down. That's something that was down. In yeah, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Particularly for you, right? I mean, yeah. Hey, Dante, Chris, and I, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. yeah daycare is important. Struggling with that. Yeah. yeah. Plus snow day today. Yeah. yeah, we got a snow day. You guys got a snow day today, huh? Mm-hmm. Second one this week. Really? Uh, when, we got a COVID shutdown instead for 10 days. So just started today. Oh, yeah, poor Dante. <laughs> oh, boy. What a mess. All right. Okay, Chris, anything you want to add? On this you see, Mark topic? didn't offer to, you know, help out, you know, come watch the kids. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, he, Are like, you kidding me? You really want me to watch your kids? Hey, at this point, you know, it's been a long two years. <laughs> You'll take it. You'll take it. Uh, well, I'll be teaching them SAT words. So, yeah, that'd probably, probably that's be pretty good. Uh, that's that fine. That all works out. Chris, anything in the uh, job numbers you want to point out? I look at some of the uh, demographics just because that, that's also part of the Fed uh, mandate. So a couple of things that stuck, stood out to me were education. If you break out the unemployment rate by education, so biggest gains or improvement in the uh, Unemployment rate was at the lower end, so less than high school or high school graduates saw the biggest improvement. So that's encouraging. Um, on the other hand, if, uh, if you look at it, the numbers by race, uh, most of the improvement or the improvement was really driven by uh, white uh, demographic. African Americans actually saw their uh, unemployment rates rise in December, so that's troubling. And then if you dig a little bit further, you see it's actually um, African American women had a big jump uh, from November mm-hmm. to December. So I don't know exactly what's going on there. Maybe, it, um, you know, we talk about the pandemic in December not having a, a large impact on the labor um, labor force overall, but maybe it did uh, impact uh, certain occupations or industries where African-American women tend to be more concentrated. So that, that certainly stood out. That was a, a pretty sizable jump uh, in an unemployment rate for them. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that again. When you get down to those, yeah, that that level of detail, volatility, yeah, based sure. on the small sample, you know, and the seasonal yep. adjustment issues, hard, hard to. Yeah, I don't want to moved in the wrong direction, <laughs> but hard to draw too much from that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But certainly something to bear in mind if the Fed is keeping those uh, demographic uh, trends in mind as part of their policy uh, decision. Yeah. Certainly something to watch. Right. Okay, two two questions then. Uh, one is, uh, well, obviously this is backward looking. This report, right? This was based on a survey that was done about a month ago, not quite a month ago, but before Omicron. This was kind of on the backside of the Delta wave, so we. That's one reason why we all expected a pretty solid job number for December, and, and why we expected a strong job report, which we got. Uh, but then there's Omicron, and that is now in full force. And in fact, if it could, feels like the, when the Bureau of Labor Statistics does its survey for January, which is next week, that could be, that could coincide with the peak in infections are pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so what do you think about that? So what do you think of the, uh, what that means for the employment report for the month of January, which we'll be talking about four weeks from now? Means we're going to add a million jobs. 
because everything is <laughs> it's backwards. It's backwards. It's backwards. Yeah, everything's backwards. Seasonals unwind. Yeah, exactly. Unwind. No, I think it's it's possible that employment falls. You know, we saw that. You know, when Delta peaked, employment fell in December of last year. So, you know, this way no, that was Delta though. That, that was, was not Delta. The Delta. Yeah, that was. It wasn't was a pre. No, that was a previous variant. Uh, I can't remember oh, okay. what variant that was. Delta hit it this past summer, a year oh, yeah. ago. I can't, December. I can't keep these things straight. I, I know it fell, but it was a different. That that was a pretty different bad reason. Wave. Yeah, yeah it it was beta. Different, different variant, beta probably. The I don't know. If yeah, job growth <laughs> did slow during Delta, you can see it very clear that it took you know a bite out of the job market. So I think employment could fall. Yeah, I, I meant to ask you, Ryan, because you you look at the number of people that aren't working. Wow, that was my number. I got to come up with a new oh. number. It's oh all right. no! Okay, one point six million. That. Up 1. from 1.5 million. Yep. Up from from 1.5. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the okay. relationship between uh, average uh, confirmed COVID cases during the reference week uh, versus the number of people that uh, are not at work because of own illness, uh, the relationship's pretty strong. Uh, if that holds, we could be over 2 million next month or for January. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So so it's pretty clear that Omicron is going to do some damage here. You know, probably yeah, I think in, so. In general, anyone anyone have a different perspective on that? I mean, I mean, obviously, a lot of measurement issues, and you, you know, all joking aside, you may be right. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, the seasonals, if they're you know, if they were wrong on one side they, uh, in December, they got to be wrong on the other side at some point, right? So, mm -hmm. it could be could be month of January. Okay, I, I'd agree with that, but I guess one other factor, for better or worse, is that the isolation period now it's been cut down to five days right so good point whereas delta is 10 days so the volume is still well above what it was so it's i think it will have a, an impact uh, certainly, but it might not be on a relative basis as big as we might otherwise expect yeah and that, and that goes to kind of a underlying assumption we've been making all along here uh since the pandemic hit is that we are going to experience more waves of the pandemic in all likelihood, but that each wave of the pandemic will be less disruptive than the previous wave. That, you know, Omicron is going to do damage, but less damage than Delta, and Delta did less damage than, let's say, Beta back a year ago, and so forth and so on. And so far, that feels roughly right. That feels like that's roughly right. And we're getting better in terms of how we respond from a healthcare perspective. Of course, the, the 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 virus itself is 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 helping, right? It's becoming less virulent, and that's a positive thing. And our and businesses seem to be getting better at kind of figuring this out and adjusting to it. So it's less less disruptive, but still disruptive. It's still kind of the pandemic is still kind of driving the train here, uh, mm -hmm. but but increasingly less so. Okay. Uh, I said I had two questions. The first was around Omicron. Uh, the second is. Uh, how do you, uh, and I'll turn to Ryan for this. Ryan, how do you think the Fed, Fed members view all of this, this report? You know, how would they, how does this fit in with the, the way they're thinking about things? It has no bearing on monetary policy. They're gung-ho right. focused, they're laser focused on inflation. They are, you know, even the, the most dovish members of the FOMC are turning hawkish. So yesterday, Mary Daly, who's the president of the San Francisco Fed, as recently as November, was pushing against any rate hikes this year uh, is now on board with, you know, she said that inflation's too high. So they're really worried about inflation being higher for longer. You can see it in the FOMC minutes. They're talking about uh, 
you know, reducing the size of their balance sheet very quickly after the first rate hike. So, you know, this is like the, I think I emailed Chris, it's like the fast and the furious. The, the, the Fed is going to aggressively tighten monetary policy because they're, they're petrified of inflation. Well, uh, well, in, in, from that prism, though, this report has bearing, right? I mean, if you're a Fed, yeah, I think the wage numbers. number, even though I don't look at average hourly earnings, I think the Fed they're paying very close attention to measures of uh, wages because they're worried about the a wage price spiral setting in. Uh, there's no evidence of it yet, but you know the job market is getting tight. They're going to worry that uh, strong inflation or strong wage pressures are going to pull up inflation even further. Yeah. Right. And of course, 3.9% unemployment rate also, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, as you point out, that in, in the employment to population ratio for prime age workers, they're not quite where you would expect them to be in a full employment economy, but they're, they're, they're getting there. We're getting there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would think they're looking at that and saying, oh, you know, we need to normalize policy here, get going mm -hmm. here and try, and try to normalize policy. Yeah, so financial markets put uh, an 85% probability of a rate hike in March. Oh, is that right? Eighty-five mm -hmm. percent. So, yep. March is the month when their quantitative easing will come to an end. Their bond buying will come to an end. Correct. The tapering process ends in March. Yep. And they're saying they're going to start tightening interest rates right away. Mm -hmm. As soon as the QE, the quantitative easing, is over, they're going to start raising rates. Yep, that's what the bond, uh, the bond market says. Market says. Uh, I did notice, I looked at before I got on, we got on the podcast, the 10-year treasury yield, actually, even with that 199K number, which is on the soft side, 10-year yields have been, are rising. They still rose. So mm -hmm. they're kind of, it feels like investors are interpreting the employment report the same we are, way we are. It's a strong report. The 199, yeah, yeah okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Okay, very good. Um, okay, anything else? Wait, do you disagree? Like, what do you think the Fed's going to do? When do you think they're going to raise Interest rates. Well, uh, I think it's more likely going to be June when they raise uh -huh. rates for the first time. Uh, the reason being that um, I think Omicron is going to do some damage here. I think yeah, it's I agree. Growth. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can see it in January, you'll probably see it in February going into March. And so, you know, unemployment could be back over four, you know, maybe in, as you go into March. So if that forecast is right, if I'm right about Omicron doing some damage here, and, and we have that in our forecast, right? We, mm -hmm. uh, you know, before Omicron, we had growth, GDP growth for the first quarter at close to 5% annualized. We marked that down to two, which is very consistent with what Delta did to the economy back in the third quarter. You know, so we're using that as a case study here for Omicron's impact. So if you get 2% growth in Q1, uh, you know, you will still get solid job growth. Uh, you know, for, I think coming by March, April, the job market will rev back up. But I don't think that'll be enough at that point for them to start raising rates. I also expect inflation to come in, mm -hmm. you know, that by the March, you know, April period, it'll be clear that, you know, inflation has rolled over. You know, energy prices are down, gas prices are down. You know, we should see some uh, abating of the shortages and and uh, high prices for some some of the uh, for for various goods, and we'll see you know inflation roll over. So the combination of those two things would I think suggest that the Fed might want to wait a little bit. But you know, but but having said all of that, I, I don't think I'd argue the point very strongly. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, very it's 
possible it could be March. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I wouldn't attach an eighty percent probability to it. I might attach a thirty percent probability to yeah. it. But I'm not going to argue with anybody about it. Rates are going up. There's no doubt about it. It's just mm -hmm. a question of, you know, precisely when and by how much. So, right. you, know, uh, you know, from my perspective. Um, Chris, any anything on that you want to add? Uh, do you have do, uh, any different I'd perspective? Agree with you you yeah. agree, Dante? Yeah. Anything? No. Okay, you're on board with that. All right, let's let's play the game. Oh well, okay. Before I do that, just to make sure, is this about the time where we we tease uh, Dante or or? No, we can do it. Yeah, this is a good. This is a good time. Okay, go. Okay, so so what 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 what's going on here? You know, Dante Dante is the key guy that puts the ADP data together. ADP is the human resource company. They have records for twenty twenty five million employees. We get them, then we use that uh, to construct an estimate of what we think the employment gain will be. We're we're predicting the BLS number a couple of days before BLS comes out. So we put out the ADP number. On Wednesday, today's Friday, we said employment was going to be up 800. Was it going to be 800K, I think? Yeah, 800K, private sector jobs. I think it was 807. 807K. And Dante, you know, it came in at 199. And, and I, there are months when, you know, they're pretty close. But it seems like every time we have Dante on, it's it's mm -hmm. really badly wrong. Is, am I, is that just my – do I have that wrong? wrong? I think that's right. No, that's right. Yeah, that's it's wrong. Correlation. Bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have you on. So we know when we have you on, your, your ADP is going to miss pretty badly. That is true. Yeah. And so, I, at the time, I would like to remind people that you, you know, ultimately approve that number before it gets covered. <laughs> so I like to make sure. Thanks I very much. That, Thanks very that much. When it goes, yeah. I, I usually remind people of that when we're right. Don't <laughs> <I'm just saying. laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I mean, to Dante's credit, uh, yeah. or to back him up. Everything else was consistent with a very strong employment. Oh, I know. I mean, this is like, yeah. you know, this is a fluke. Well, and actually, I think ADP has been consistently stronger than BLS first print pretty, I think, all year long. And again, every month, the BLS number gets revised higher and then revised mm -hmm. higher. And we, we just argued it's going to be revised higher again. So by the time it's all said and done, it feels like BLS is going to be closer to ADP than the other way around. Mm, I don't know about that's that's a big gap to close in December. <laughs> oh, is that right? Okay. But yeah. Yeah. Six hundred thousand gap. Yeah, six hundred. Uh, yeah, that's a big gap. I don't know. Did they ever go back and adjust the BLS? Ever go back and adjust the seasonals? Did they ever do that? I guess they do do that when they get. It's part of the day. benchmarking process. They the do benchmark. update the seasonal hey, factors. I don't know, Ryan. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, that seasonal is, that seasonal feels really weird. You know, I mean, weird. again, if they used a seasonal factor that was, you know, that they used pre-pandemic, so like the average of 2018, 2019, the increase in employment in December would have been closer to 500. Yeah, right. And again, that's the average monthly job growth, roughly average monthly yeah. job growth in 2021. I think it was closer to 550 all, all, all together. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. All right, let's play the game. Who wants to go first? Should we let Dante go first after we yep. have such grief? Okay. Yeah, there you go. That's why Ryan walked the uh, tightrope of giving this away, but I'm going to I'm going to use it anyway because I think it makes sense. It's important. Should I um, should I explain the game? The game is you know each of us give a statistic or two. Uh, the other uh, of us try to uh, determine that statistic. Uh, I was going to use the word guess, but uh, you know we're, we're there's no guessing. <laughs> no guessing. Deductive no reasoning. And the best statistics uh, are one that. First, it, it, it's something rel something that came out in the previous week, the, this this past week. It's not too easy that you know we 
get it right away, but not too hard that it's too elusive and, you know, we all look stupid. So those are the best statistics. And it's related to, it's it's bonus, it's related to, you know, the topic at hand, which is, in this case, the job market. So, uh, but that, you know, those are just guidelines that they're, you know, you can can do what you want, which we all do. But uh, all right. And if you get it right, uh, we we do have a cowbell somewhere, uh, although- It's right back there. It's right back there. Don't don't get it out. It's okay. Oh, we'll keep it there. Uh, okay, Dante, what's your statistic? That's a lot of rules. No pressure to thread that needle of hitting all those bad ones. <laughs> that you out. Um, mine is seventy-two thousand. Seventy-two thousand. Oh. You know, right away. Ryan. Was that the increase in? Ryan was walking. You never actually said it, but yeah, you were walking the tightrope there early on. Is that the increase in non-seasonally adjusted employment? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so this, you, you mentioned it's been a while. That's the first time it's increased in December since 1999. There you go. Oh, wow. I mean, that's pretty telling. What was the, oh, okay. So, okay. So listener, 72K is the increase in employment in December payroll survey, uh, establishment survey, non-seasonally adjusted. Remember seasonally adjusted is 199. This is unadjusted 72K, and you're saying that is the first positive, not seasonally adjusted increase in establishment payroll survey since 1999. That's what you're saying. Correct. Usually in December falls by a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. So, and the, I mean, this is a stark difference. Right. And the difference between the two, right, was the 199 and 72 is 127,000. That's by far the smallest difference between the two over that same 20 year period. Mm-hmm. The average difference between the unadjusted and the seasonally adjusted is about 325,000. So usually in December, the seasonal adjustment process adds about 325. This month, it only added 127 for some reason. And that's why I say this is a, this is a strong number. I mean, the takeaway is it's, it's a strong number. Anytime employment increases unadjusted, uh, non-seasonally adjusted in December, it's, it's a strong number. It's a strong month. Hey, um, do, uh, Dante, do you know offhand what was the seasonally adjusted increase in December employment, 1999? How big, how big an increase was it? I do not know offhand. Yeah, maybe, maybe look it up real fast. Yeah, I know you're online. Yeah, I'm just really curious what that number was. Yeah. Okay. So, so Ryan, why, what, what do you, what's going on here? Is it just the pandemic is scrambling the BLS seasonals? I mean, what, what, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know. I can't explain it. I don't know. And that's why anytime I do the forecast, when I write it up for our website, I always highlight that the seasonal adjustment factor is a big wild card. Like it's, it can make the number really, really strong or in the last few months, it's made it very, very weak. Hmm. I guess we can go dig deeper and go sector by sector, industry by industry, Correct. to see if something stands out. Mm-hmm. I, 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 but again, could could it be more fundamental that you know go back to retail? I mean, the thought was that people started buying early for Christmas because there were shortages and you know prices were up. They were fearful of not getting the presents they wanted under the tree in time, so that could have juiced things up. You know, earlier in like say October and that steals mm-hmm. away from the kind of numbers you would expect in December. Is that, so that would be more fundamental, right? I guess. Could it be? Yeah, I think, I, mean, I think that was the case. I mean, you saw okay. retail employment increase in October and November. 
But November, I mean, we had an early, this is why like, I'm scratching my head a little bit, is that we had a very early reference period in November. So I thought more of the holiday hiring would be captured in December. Yeah. But it's possible maybe, you know, people are shopping more online. Some of those jobs ended up in transportation and warehousing, couriers, rather than in your traditional uh, retail employment. And, you know, I've, I've said this once before, but let me ask it again, just to make sure. If the seasonals are pushing things down in a month like December, it stands to reason there's going to be a month or two or something coming up where the seasonal are going to work in the opposite direction, right? That they're going to juice. Correct. We're going to think a weak number. And that's what you were joking about January. We mm-hmm. think a weak number, but we could get a big number because the seasonals work in the opposite direction. Yeah. Throughout the year, they got to, the, the, the seasonals have to wash out. Right. So. All right. What was it in 1999, December 1999? What was the gain? So the unadjusted gain in 1999 was 137,000. That was the last time it was positive in December. And what about adjusted? What was it? Uh, the difference actually wasn't that big then. The adjusted was 306. 306. Okay. So that was actually a pretty small difference between mm-hmm. the two compared to the last 20 years. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. Very good. Okay. That was a good one. Uh, might have been a little easy. It was a softball. Yeah. I helped Ryan out. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, Chris, what's your statistic? And All right. A, is it housing, Chris? Yeah, it's definitely housing. It's 181,000. Oh. All right. So it's definitely labor market related. It is labor market related. Are right, you hesitated? Was... Yes. He always hesitates. He's, he's, he, yeah. he, he, he tries just, to use uh... head fakes to make it more difficult for us. Yeah. Uh, I'm not me. sure if that's right. It's got my tell. Yeah. Is it, can I ask this? Does it come from yes. the household survey? No. It comes from the payroll survey? No. By definition. Oh. Hmm. Ooh, ooh! There was that, another oh, survey that came Jolt out. Oh, does it come from the Jolt survey? Ding, ding, ding! Yes, ding, ding! Jolt's being job opening, labor turnover. Survey. Turnover. So that's yeah. where the quits that's come right. from. Hiring comes from. That's where uh, open job positions come from. One eighty-one. Dante, you should know this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Many days ago now. <laughs> the Jolt. The Jolt for November came out. I think on Wednesday. I think it came out on Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. And that, that oh, shit yeah. quits were at a record high, I think, right? Four yep. point, what, six. six million, five million people quit their job in the month of November? Record number of quits, which we'll come back that to. The, we should, is we, that the increase in the number of quits? on mm, That would be really, you know. Oh, oh, the 181? No. Yeah, no, I would, that would violate, yeah. that's too hard kind of rule. Uh Oh, that's a second well, derivative. Yeah, I, Give me the second derivative. I might have uh, violated that rule. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like we're going down that road here. <laughs> uh, it is it's housing probably, related. Housing oh, related. Oh, Construction uh, quits? Uh, construction layoffs. Layoff. 181,000. Yeah. Really? Yes. What's that about? 181. So it was up uh, in November versus October. October was 132,000. So. No, wait, uh, you're saying 181,000 construction workers got laid off in the month of November? Yes. Oh, and that's up from 132 yeah. in the month of October. October, yeah. And is is and 181 I, high by historical standards? Not by high. It would, no, it, it, we were oh, okay. at that level earlier in the year, but things had been trending down because construction activity was picking up. Hmm. Uh, but now they reverse, and I attribute that to some ongoing supply chain issue, lumber especially, 
has oh. uh, become dear again. So I think uh, there's a slowdown in construction once again uh, due to that, and they're laying off because they don't have the materials to actually build the homes or. Oh boy, that you, you that's interesting. Uh, that's a long chain of events. <laughs> do you buy? Well, into otherwise, that? I, Dante, do you buy into that? I, I, well, first of all, if I would have studied the Jolts release for an hour, I don't think I would have known that no. number. Anyways, that was mm-hmm. pretty deep. Weed. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think I can buy Chris's story there. I mean, I, I, yeah, the other logic makes some sense. Hold Why on, else would wait. it jump up? Right. Right. I mean. I mean well, that's why I asked, is that typical? I mean, it, that was seasonally just, obviously. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Just, I don't know. That feels weird. Why would, you're, you're saying, so what you're saying is that supply chain disruptions causing problems with lumber, appliances, building materials. Yep. Means that uh, home builders can't put up homes. Therefore, they're going to lay off other workers be, that, you know, they otherwise would have employed. That's what you're saying. Yes. Ooh. Right. If you can't get materials, you pause, yeah, you press pause on building. I don't know. I mean, if you look at housing starts, they're still really strong. I mean, Katie and I are trying to find an electrician to do some, and our normal like, electricians, like, I'll get to you in like three months because I don't have enough people to cover all the jobs. So, you know, I don't know. That sounds was a little. That, was that, that, that was actual layoffs, though, Chris, right? You said layoffs. In construction, layoffs. layoffs. Okay, not not. You could separate because of it's not separations, is it? Oh, it's layoffs. It's, it's layoffs. layoffs. Okay, all right. I don't know. That feels um, bogus to me. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, just I'm with saying. you on this one. Mark. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but okay. lumber is way up, right? Uh, lumber prices have skyrocketed again. It, I, I thought that was mostly tariffs, though, right? I no, that's climate. It's uh. Oh, okay. You, know, you have uh, I thought we disruptions in uh, in Canada, mm-hmm. right? So we can't actually get the uh, lumber out. Hmm. I thought we, uh, we so lumber prices peaked back in May, I believe, at what sixteen hundred dollars a, a board square foot. Got down right. to six hundred k, which is kind of more typical. Back a couple months ago or three months ago, now we're back up to twelve hundred dollars, I believe, something like that. That's right. And I thought a big a big part of that. 600 a few months ago to 1200 now was the tariffs but you're saying no that it that may be part of it but it's also i don't think that's the major the major factor reason. you, you right. actually think because weather right. in british yeah. columbia they, they couldn't get the lumber down out and so therefore it's disrupting the ability to put up homes and therefore that's right we're seeing some layoffs in the construction i did oh geez i don't know uh, okay all right we'll dig deeper into that one. all right all right. Uh, uh, only an economist, uh, really a good economist, could come up with that chain of events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he right. had to tie it back right. to housing Provo- somehow. Provocative. Oh, he had to tie, provocative. Oh, definitely provocative. Yeah, definitely right. provocative. Yeah, okay. Uh, and housing-related, Ryan, so I didn't disappoint. I know. That was impressive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to give us the core logic house price index again, mm-hmm. you know, up, up 18 20%, something like that. Um. Okay, Ryan, you're up. Uh, what's all your right. statistic? So this is the Holy Trinity. It covers all three. <laughs> all right, you ready? <laughs> oh, now I'm scared. Actually, three yeah. percent. What is three percent? Three percent. Three percent. 
And, and what, when you say the Holy Trinity, does that 3% apply to three different things? That 3%? No, it covers, it's related to the job market. It okay. is related to the big topic. And it came out this week. Oh, oh. I see. I see. Oh, you nailed okay. it. Oh, yeah. You're saying. You got yeah. all the criteria. You nailed it. You nailed it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, like Dante, you know. I okay. Can come through. All right. Well, let, let's dig a little deeper. Three three percent. Does that come from the household survey? It does not. Does it come from the payroll survey? It does not. It does it come from Jolts? It does. Okay. And you guys should get you and Chris should definitely get this. I sent you a chart of it this week. I sent you a lot of oh, charts. It's a quit rate. It's the quit rate. Yeah. Uh, Quits. Yeah, it's the quit rate. It's the quit rate. Yeah. Yep. Highest okay. on record. Going back to the early two thousands. And that chart I sent you, it shows you the quits rate versus year, year over year growth in the employment cost index for wages, which suggests that we're going to get another very strong increase in wages in uh, the fourth quarter. And the that rate. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say gonna... one reason why the Fed pivoted. Uh, Powell was very concerned about very strong wage growth that he saw in the ECI, the employment cost index. So this is going to spook them again. And this is why I think they're pretty. They're turning more and more hawkish is that they're really concerned that wage growth is going to start pulling out inflation. Right. And the, and the quit rate is simply the number of people who quit their jobs divided by the labor force. So we had 4.5 right. million, um, 4.6 million people who actually quit their job in the month, of, one month, month of November, mm-hmm. record high. You divide that by the labor force, you get to 3%. That is a record high. And this data goes back to, I think it goes back to the year two Early 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s. Yep. And you're saying that is uh, indicative of an incredibly tight labor market. You know, when you have high quits, a lot, a lot of turnover, tight labor mm-hmm. market, businesses want to retain their workers, they jack up wages, wage growth is rising very, is, is, uh, exce- has accelerated, employment cost index, probably the best measure of, of wages. The best, yep. The best. Let me ask you this, though. I keep going back on wages uh, in, to the Atlanta Federal Reserve wage mm-hmm. tracker, yeah. which also I find equally as good as the ECI. Yeah, that's very good. Because it tracks the same worker workers, mm-hmm. right, over time. So it doesn't get have these mix effects like you would have like looking at average hourly earnings, wage mm-hmm. the wage measure from the uh, employment report. And that that shows an acceleration but it's all in low wage jobs. You know, that's where the quits are. So if you look at the quits the rate quits for leisure and hospitality, it's gone through the roof. So, but it's not broad based. I mean, I look at, no, no. You know, if I look at wage growth for high wage workers, that's actually decelerated. Mid wage workers, it's flat to maybe up a little bit. It's accelerated a little bit, but it's mm-hmm. all in the bottom quartile of the wage distribution, right? But isn't that where we have the, like the labor supply constraints are the most binding right now are in restaurants in you know travel leisure yeah i know I, I i yeah, yeah. that's right but then i then I, I kind of connect that back to monetary policy so okay if it if it you know do how worried should i really be that this becomes more broad based endemic leads to higher inflation if it's just it's you know it's idiosyncratic to the pandemic mm-hmm. labor supply issues for this you know, one segment of the, you know, the, of the labor market, the low wage, low wage jobs. Should I be, how, how can, yeah, I mean, I, they I shouldn't be concerned. It. I shouldn't, yeah. no, they shouldn't be, but they, they are. Oh, so oh, it's like okay. kind of like going back to like how we forecast monetary policy. You got to forecast what they're going to do, not what they should do. Yeah. Like, I don't think they should be panicking right now. 
Yeah. Okay. That's that's okay. I I get you. But Pat Powell did call out the acceleration in the mm-hmm. employment cost index as a reason for why he pivoted. I guess he yep. needed a reason. He's got to give some reason why he pivoted. Yeah. Know? Exactly. Right. So he's got to come up with something. You asked me the question: When do I think the Fed would uh, uh, have hike. its first rate hike? The market says March. I said June. What do you say? This pains me, but I agree with you. It's going to be June. Oh, really? Okay, mm-hmm. June. Okay. Why is that so painful, right? Yeah. Because Mark and I usually never point. agree on monetary policy. So <laughs> the fact that we agree is. Well, 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 our debates are pretty on the on the on the market. Oh yeah, yeah. No, right? we're not like yeah, yeah. yeah. I, no, it's pretty, but it's fun. Close, yeah. I, yeah, the, I enjoy yeah. you, Chris, and I going back and forth about this. Yeah. Chris, when do you think he's going to say June? Because uh, he, he's going to he's going to say May because that's between March. and Yes, June. exactly. He yeah, goes, exactly. Oh, <laughs> I, I do that. He's going to say May. He going down the middle. Uh, I, that was in a, a March, not a May. Uh, I actually think. Oh, uh, oh okay. I oh, think you think that, March? I, I, you think I'm getting more and more. Convinced yeah. that they're going to follow yeah. the market here. Mm-hmm. They're okay. going to deliver. They're going to, yeah. Yeah, you may be right. The, the growth really will have to slow because of Omicron to delay uh, for them to pause. Yeah. I think so. Hey, yeah. That's right. Dante, do you have a view here on the first rate hike? Yeah. I think I would lean probably towards Chris. It seems like they might, it seems like sort of it's all shifting in that earlier direction towards March. You know, it feels like that's what they, they want to do unless there's something that comes out that seriously changes the story between now and then that that's probably what they're going to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wages. Did you see the uh, wage growth for economists? Is there such a thing? No, I'm just you know, <laughs> giving you a heads up. It's it's really it's, it's tight labor market out there. Where do you get market. that data? Wait, yeah. Wage growth for economists. We do our own survey. Yeah, we do our own survey. Oh, is that right? Ten percent this year. That's what. That's the benchmark yeah. you're looking at. Yeah, ten percent. All the wait. You guys are making something. You're making this up. Where you, where you if you want a time season? series, Dante and I can create. Is that seasonally adjusted or <laughs> <laughs> unadjusted and seasonally adjusted, both ten percent? So, so you are making this up. Yeah, we're making this up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, geez, it went right over my head. You guys are too mm-hmm. good, too good. Yeah. All right. Um, so, what's your number, Mark? Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I this this runs a risk of being too easy. And I may have to, I may have to ask Ryan to ex- recuse himself. Right. With this, which gives you a hint, by the way. Uh, eight point seven trillion. Eight point seven trillion. Ryan, do you know? I'm thinking. No, I don't know. It's not my head. Oh, okay. Wait, did this come out this week? Ed related, if, he, if Ryan's excluding yeah. himself. Oh no! Yeah, oh, okay. I'm stretching. What's that, uh, Dante? Oh, I, I wait. No, I let week. Chris and Dante. I don't know what it is, but I feel like it's got to be Fed related. If Ryan was excluding himself from the conversation, oh damn! I shouldn't have said anything. I actually <laughs> yeah. helped you out by saying that, which is true. It is Fed related, and th- and that you know we it, it's a balance sheet. Ah, uh, related. Yeah, v- yeah, very good. And so, what is it? If it's balance sheet related, eight point seven trillion. No, all right. Ryan, go ahead. Do you know the answer? He's looking it up. No, no, actually, no, my wife is, she got pulled over because I forgot to uh, update the registration. So she's not, at, not happy with me right now. Oh boy. You need to go take care of that? Wow. No, no. Okay. What am I, I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, isn't it that the assets held outright? 
Yeah, that's yeah. that's the size of their balance sheet, the size of uh, of the treasuries MBS that they hold mm. on their balance sheet, eight point seven. I I picked that because we had the FOMC meeting right on uh, was it minutes from the FOMC meeting got got released on Wednesday, and that was pretty hawkish. And um, and uh, eight point seven trillion is uh, it's up a lot. You know, if you go back. Uh, before the pandemic, we were closer to four trillion, so that's an increase of about five trillion dollars. And just for context, you know, if you go back before the financial crisis, it was one trillion. So went from mm-hmm. one to four. Now we're four to eight point seven. And by the time the QE ends, we're probably going to be pretty close to nine trillion. Not not quite, but you know, pretty close to nine trillion. And then it's uh, the Fed saying, "Hey, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Fed saying we're going to now." relatively quickly let that uh, wind down. I mean, we're, we're going to stop buying. We're buying now. We're tapering those purchases. Uh, at the current rate of tapering, our purchases will be over by March. Market says in March, we're going to start, ra- they're going to start raising rates. And we've been debating that. But then the next question is, what do they happens to their balance sheet? You know, if you go back to after the financial crisis, once they stopped tapering QE, they, uh, started, they kept the balance sheet pretty stable. They started, you know, when it, when a treasury matured or a mortgage security matured or prepaid, they would take the proceeds and they would reinvest so they'd keep the balance sheet stable. So the question is here, what are they going to do? Are they going to allow the maturing treasuries and MBS, the prepaying MBS to start to allow the balance sheet to come down? And I think the general sense is, correct me if I'm wrong, is that uh, they're going to allow that to happen. They're going to allow the balance sheet to start winding down pretty quickly here. Again, mm-hmm. going back to the point that they're, they're going to normalize policy pretty fast here. Is that right? Do I have that right? That's correct. Yep. And that's called quantitative tightening, right? Or the QT. So we're going from QE, quantitative easing, bond buying, to quantitative tightening, QT. It, correct. It, they got that right. Okay. And, yep, and they're going to be aggressive. They're going to be aggressive. I mean, in ter- if they're just letting it run off, it's going to be pretty slow because I would think because of the mortgage, right? Their prepayments are going to be way down with rates rising. But I think uh, they've got so. a lot of debt maturing. Pretty a lot of uh, do. those treasuries are going to mature pretty. Cool. I think it, I think okay it, on the seventy billion side. a month mature, yeah. right? Something like that. Yeah, I think Chris is right on the MBS side. On you know, the MBS side, that's going to be slow. But the you're right that they have a ton of treasuries that are maturing, so they're going to use caps. You know, they're going to limit the amount that. The treasuries can decline, but their caps are going to be larger than they were after the financial crisis, just because of the sheer amount that they have maturing. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we don't think they're going to outright sell. No. That, no. That's that would be that would be kind of panic mode if they were selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess one reason why the treasury ten-year treasury yield, the bond market is sold off, why treasury yields have risen so much, is because. It's now, it's dawning on investors that the Fed's going to go from uh, buying bonds, and they've been buying a lot of them during the pandemic, to actually well, allowing their, their balance sheet to, to come off. And that's a big change. That's a big change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so what do you think? That was a pretty good statistic, I thought. No? That was a good one. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, pretty good. Not necessarily tied to the labor market, but it's all right. Oh, uh, yes, sort of indirect. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I thought we needed to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, no, it was a good one. Yeah, okay. All right. I need I need, I need a little stroking. Yeah, so. 
Uh, okay. Um, where are we? Okay, let's now turn to the labor market in more detail. And a bunch of different questions we could try to tackle, but let's tackle the the uh, quit rate, uh, the 3% quit rate, the 4.5 million, 6 million that quit during the month of, of uh, November. Uh, Dante, what's going on? Why such a high quit rate? You've got historically high job openings. You've got wages that are rising at you know, levels that we haven't seen in a long time. And there's just a lot more opportunities out there for people. And I think you know, in addition to that, you've got lots of people who are looking to change their current work situation, looking for more flexible arrangements or, you know, remote work or whatever the case may be. So I think, you know, the abundance of possibilities and people, you know, as a result of the pandemic, looking to you know, make changes in, in their current work situation, I think are all contributing to the number of quits we're seeing. And I, you know, I don't expect that to decline anytime soon. I think if anything, you're going to see that sort of continue at least through the end of the year and early next year, because, Wages are going to continue to rise. Job openings haven't really ticked down much to this point, so you know, there's still those opportunities out there. So there's long, uh, uh, I proffer there's a long list of reasons, and you put forward two, and I assume these are at the top of your list. The first is, well, we got a, a lot of open job positions, so pandemic hit, a lot of lost jobs. Uh, we got the vaccines, economy reopened. Every business on the planet appear seemingly put up a help wanted sign at the same time. So if you have all these open positions, then people feel comfortable about, well, quitting and trying to find a better job because they know that they could get one pretty fast if they needed to get a job. That's at the top of the list. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the second <laughs> reason on the list is uh, I'm, I'm, you know, putting my own spin on it, remote work, right? That is, you know, people... And I use that as a euphemism for I want workplace flexibility. I want it, I want more flexibility in my work arrangement, uh, the hours I work, where I work, how I work. <clears throat> and if you, Mister Employer, Miss Miss Employer, don't provide me with that flexibility, well, I'm going to go find another job that does. Do I have that right? Yeah. Okay. All right. It, okay, it, guys. Any other reasons you would put on that list? I mean, first of all, are those the top two reasons you think for the high quit rate? And, and, and would you put any yeah. other on, on there? I think so. I think there's uh, very active recruiting going on as well. So you know, folks who aren't even think, considering a, looking for a job may be getting uh, calls. That might be uh, leading to some of this impact as well. I also wonder about um, self-employment, people starting up their own jobs as well, or their own businesses as well, and if that's feeding into this uh, higher quit rate is at this time. So. Right, right. Ryan, any other reasons? Sorry, that's a, that was a good one, Chris. I didn't think Which, about the, the uh, people starting their own, own companies. companies. Business, yeah. yeah. Entrepreneurship has picked up. It picked up a lot. You know, mm -hmm. If you believe the, the data from the uh, IRS on EIN numbers, you know, business starts. Yeah, I think lower on the list would be uh, people quitting because of the pandemic. You know, in you know, restaurants, you know, with each wave, people are, you know, they're worried about, you know, getting COVID or bringing it home. So you know, that could be a smaller factor. Why, why would you put, I, I would have put that pretty high on the list. I mean, particularly because we're seeing the quits in those industries that are on the front mm -hmm. lines of the pandemic. And when the waves come through and people get sick, you know, they, they quit, you know, they, yeah. That's good. You know, yeah. 
So I, I would have thought, actually, I had to put that probably at the top of the list or pretty close to the top of the list. Yeah, I wonder if it's just more labor market churn in the sense that you know, you know people that are in restaurants, bartenders, waiters, you know, you know, maybe they're just fed up and they're, you know, they want to change industries. Yeah, right. Okay. What about uh, boomer retirements? Yeah, if, I was going to say that's that gonna, too. Is yeah. that going to change? Is that, are they quitting now but coming back in later? Or is this uh, a one-way street here? Well, I think, it think partly depends on those housing values and those stock prices, right? I mean, people have been, I think the boomers feel pretty comfortable about leaving maybe a little earlier than they would have otherwise. They were going to leave anyway in the next few years, right? Because the yeah. teeth of the baby boom generation is in the early 60s now. I think it's 62, 63. So they were going to leave anyway, but they're leaving a little earlier in part because it got shoved out by the pandemic and they're not coming back in because they don't need to, right? They've got a pretty sizable nest egg with stock prices, housing values, all the excess saving that built up during the pandemic. So I don't know. Do you think they'll come? I guess it's possible, right? You go, you retire, you kind of try to figure out retirement, you go, hey, this isn't really working for me, or at least, or if my re retirement nest egg is diminished because prices come back down again, it can cut back in. But I, I would think that's on the margin though, don't you think? Mm -hmm. I think, well, I think yeah. some of the flexibility that's popping uh, up, yeah, good point. that could bring some people back part-time or contract. So on the margins, yeah. it could help, but I think you're right. By, by and large, they're, they're out, right? They're, they're not coming back in any appreciable numbers and that's going to weigh on this market then for for a while yeah right okay okay here's the other question so there are a long list of reasons they all feel kind of pandemic related and as the pandemic winds down these things will start to normalize and recede and in fact i guess what one could argue if people are finding better jobs jobs that are more suited to their needs turnover might be even lower than it otherwise would have been a, a couple, three, four years down the road, right? I mean, that might be, you might see less turnover, possibly. No. Moving forward, you mean, if people are finding better matches today? Yeah. On you may get less the turnover. pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Which Especially with the, the work from home, you know, if yeah, you find exactly. a job, yeah. Yeah, you could get less turnover down the road. I, yeah, I agree. Which gets to the question and this is a, always a hard question for me to answer is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? You know, you know what I'm saying? Is it, is the high quit rate a good thing? Is this a positive development or is this a, I mean, obviously there's transition costs for the businesses that are struggling, filling positions for people that are quitting. That's no fun. We know that, you know, we're, we're hiring aggressively and, you know, trying to uh, add to payrolls at the same time as, you know, hold on to uh, retain existing workers. That's, that's, that's a lot of energy. That's a lot of work. But is it, is it a problem longer run? Any, any views on that, Dante? Do you have any sense of that? I, I mean, I find it hard to believe that it's not a good thing for workers. I mean, it seems like it, you know, workers feel empowered one way or the other, you know, and that's reflected in that higher quits number. I mean, yeah, I think you can make the case that for businesses, it's, it's a, probably a net negative. I mean, there might be some benefit if you, you know, you get workers who aren't the best fit leaving, who maybe would have just stuck around before because they didn't have any other options. So maybe you get some benefit from better fit with workers, but I don't know that that, you know, I think it's probably outweighed by the the costs associated with recruiting and with turnover and you know, all of that. So, you know, 
have to imagine it's probably a little bit of a negative to businesses. Yeah, although again, you know, it depends, right? It depends on your horizon. You know, maybe on the other side of the pandemic, they have a more stable job base than they have now. Um, the other thing is businesses are not standing still. They're responding, presumably, right? They're investing, I would think. I mean, we can see it in the data. The investment data has been pretty strong. Some of that goes to supply chain restructuring, but some of that goes to, I think, labor-saving technology. You know, businesses realize that, you know, this is going to be a problem long run, you know, tight labor market and high wages, and I need to figure out how to do things more productively, which would be a good thing. You know, it would be a positive thing. I don't know, Chris or Ryan, do you have a different... So Dante says, good for workers, not so good for business. What do you think? Good or bad? I, I think in that... Or is that the uh, wrong question? Am I asking the wrong question? I, I, no, I think it's a good I, question. It's a good question. Yeah. yeah. I'd yeah. say good, and certainly from a macro uh, perspective mm-hmm. overall, right? There are certainly some businesses that are going to struggle more than others, but uh, in the end, I think it'll it'll push them in a direction that where they increase productivity or they accommodate their labor force better. They you know, make changes, so I think uh, I think it's a positive. I think a wild card here, though, is immigration and mm-hmm. what the longer term prospects are for the labor market are going to depend heavily on what that immigration policy looks like. I think it's good for I think it's good for businesses in the sense that the pool of available workers, you know, is much larger now. Mm. You know, think think about what we're doing. You know, ten years ago, would we have considered you know hiring an economist and you know having them stay in California? Probably not. Now, you know, you know the the doors are wide open. So, right, right, yeah. It's it's actually hard to uh, kind of disentangle all the cross currents here. You know, yeah. in terms of what it means. Um, yeah. My the question I have is: Do you think this ever fully reverts back to what it was pre? You know, do you think job openings ever get back to where they were pre-pandemic, or do they stay elevated? Do, do quits ever go back to sort of the old level, or does churn stay higher than it was before? The opposite of what I was saying on the churns. It stays elevated it, it, because you're saying the remote work. You're saying people can move around a lot more easily. Therefore, well, that and are you in a perpetual state of you know a higher degree of labor shortage? You've got more openings all the time than you had before, and so you've got more opportunities for workers all the time, and they're you know, sort of constantly looking uh, and evaluating more than they used to. I don't know. Right, you're, you're saying for a lot for other reasons that labor market is going to be tight, demographics, right. aging out of the boomers, yeah. right. weak immigration. So you have an inherently tight labor market. Therefore, that's going to keep quits up because people have opportunity to quit. Possibly. I mean, right, we've seen lots of job gains, but job openings are still, I mean, they've barely budged, right? From oh, they're down yeah. slightly off of their eleven million high, but you know, they're they've barely moved, even though we've added workers, you know, pretty consistently here. So Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So it's it's just the opposite of what I was saying, that after the pandemic we get uh a, a more stable workforce, fewer quits. It could be who knows? It could be hard to know that. Uh, you yeah. know, very interesting point. Okay. And um, if we're moving to a national labor market, I think it's going to take a while for things to equilibrate here, right? We're just at yeah. the early stages, right? Everyone's grappling with what it means. To, what does pay mean? Do you regionally adjust? Do you not? It, I think there are a lot of open questions here in terms of where the equilibrium actually is. It's, it could be, uh, could have a lot of churn for a while, I guess is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, still a lot of open questions about what remote work actually looks like in the future, right? I mean, do, do firms settle on mostly hybrid models where you know they aren't right. hiring nationally because they still want people to come into an office periodically, or you know, do more of them end up in a sort of fully remote world where they don't care if people ever come to an office? You know, I think that's still to be decided in large part for a lot of companies. So, yeah, 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 you're right. A lot of good. Uh, a lot of cross currents there. Hard to know how that's going to uh, that's going to play out. Okay. Um, well, I, I think we have got time for one more kind of uh, broad labor market issue before we call it a podcast. Uh, what should we tackle here? I mean, I guess wage growth might be one place to explore a little bit in more detail um, because that is key. Um, what's your sense? Do you think wage wage growth is going to roll over here that it is going to normalize that you know going back to low wage workers that's where the wage growth has accelerated the most significantly does that come back in to, or or we're going to see the wage acceleration broaden out more deeply across the labor market what do you think i don't i certainly don't think it comes back in mm-hmm. soon you know i think we're still you know, probably accelerating or, or plateaued maybe, but yeah, I certainly don't think it's going to start to decelerate in, in the near future. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like there's pressure on both sides, right? Firms are offering higher wages to retain current workers. Firms are offering even higher wages to try to lure workers to them. You know, we see that in, we don't talk about it a lot, but the, the ADP wage data, you know, the pay increases for job switchers have still been ticking higher and higher, right? Firms are, Offering bigger and bigger increases to workers over the last six months to to lure them away, and I don't, you know, with the number of job openings that still exist, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Right, right. So, so your sense is that this acceleration in wage growth is going to continue and broaden out to other parts of the labor market. Yeah, I don't know that it'll fully broaden across all you know, income skill groups or whether it's, you know, sort of the, the lower end of the distribution is enough to sort of sustain it for some period of time. Um, but it certainly doesn't feel like it's going away in the you know, early part of this year, for sure. Well, I suppose as the economy comes into full employment, that, you know, means higher wage growth, right? I mean, a broad ba- a broadening in the wage growth. It all goes back to the Federal Reserve, good reason for it to be Tightening, starting to tighten monetary policy or normalizing policy as quickly as possible. Yeah. Okay. Any any other thoughts on that? You know, on the wage picture? No. Okay. I think short term that is right, but I always come back to automation and productivity enhancement. I think those investments are going in now. Yeah. They will. They will bend the curve later on. Right. Maybe later this year. Maybe next year. But I think uh, employers are sensitive, looking for other ways to to supplement or to substitute uh, for labor. Yeah. I mean, our, our baseline forecast, you know, kind of in the middle of the distribution of possible outcomes are pretty sanguine run one, right? We're saying that as the pandemic winds down and recedes, and you know, that's kind of the working assumption that we're operating under that each new wave of the pandemic is less disruptive than the previous wave. And over time, you know, this kind of recedes, it, it pandemic becomes more endemic that labor markets are going to start to 
normalize, get back to some, they're not going back to where they were pre-pandemic, but they are going to get back to something more resembling what we're used to. Uh, wage growth for low-wage workers will moderate, and those for other workers will remain roughly where they are today, consistent with productivity growth. We see some improvement in productivity gains as businesses respond to the tight labor market and the realization that they're going to be dealing with persistent labor shortages for a long time to come, and the higher wages gives them an economic incentive to do it. And the combination of all that, and, and of course, the Federal Reserve will normalize monetary policy raise interest rates uh, in a way that causes growth to uh, ultimately uh, slow so that when the economy achieves full employment, which is, you know, if everything sticks to script about this time next year, about a year from now, that uh, the economy kind of soft lands, you know, everything kind of glides down, hit comes down on the tarmac and we're, life is good. You know, we're all good. Uh <clears throat> That's the baseline, I, and that, that's a, that's the strong consensus view, right? That's the view. Uh, but it, it feels like, based on this conversation, <laughs> uh, it's going to be pretty bumpy. Uh, you know, landing that economic plane on the tarmac isn't going to be quite as graceful as I just described it. It's going to be difficult. Did I get that? Is that a fair characterization of kind of the way... That's how I'm thinking about things. Is that mm -hmm. you guys are on board with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is a more boom bust cycle. Well, that's a little different. Are you saying we're gonna we're booming and we're gonna bust, or are you saying it's just a little more boomy, busty, a little more bumpy there? But yeah, it's more bumpy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I really just want to stick to the plane metaphor. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm coming to the to the sense the conclusion. I, it's not a conclusion. It's not the right word. I need a better word. But it's starting to bother me that. You know, the plane is coming into the tarmac at a pretty high rate of speed. You got a lot of winds blowing in lots of directions, pandemic waves, fiscal policy, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the fog of bad data. We don't know really, you know, what's going on exactly. Are they going to actually be able to land that plane on the tarmac? And by the way, Historically, they rarely do. Yeah, know? never like, done it before. They never do. <laughs> so, I guess what I'm saying is, I'd start watching out for 2023 and 2024. Mm -hmm. This this could be a little more difficult. We'll have to watch. And see. It's one of those plane plane landings where it's really bumpy that people start clapping that we actually made it on the ground. Yes, Have you ever been exactly. On? Yeah, right. it's gonna be one of those. <laughs> Yay! And everyone's clapping <laughs> yeah. as you. Yeah, yeah, right. I never understood that when people clap when we land. It's like we're. It's isn't really the expectation that you you <laughs> land? Like I don't know. I think it is. It's like a, you don't applaud yeah. for meeting expectations. That you're, yep. It's relief. <laughs> yeah, I'm alive. Thank God. Is that right? <laughs> okay, I think that's the metaphor we're going to mm -hmm. use. Okay. Uh, well, I, I I think this was a very useful podcast. We covered a lot of ground. Any you're forgetting words, something, guys? Mark. Pardon you're forgetting me? something. Yeah, at Mark Zand. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I wasn't going to say anything until you said something. No. I'm on Twitter. So is Ryan, but he won't tell us what his handle is. Next week, I'll tell you. Uh, it, what is it? I'll, I'll tell you next week. Okay, tell me next week. At Mark Zandy. Uh, and um, please uh, feel free to follow. And anything else, guys, before we call it a, a podcast? No good? Hey, thanks, Dante. Always appreciate it. And Anytime. Good natured. I know we make. You know, we have a lot of fun, but, uh, sure. you know, it's all good natured. You're great.
Okay. Thanks, everyone. Uh, See you. Talk to you next week. Take care now. Bye-bye.